This is day five together of our look at 1 Corinthians 11. We began yesterday a look at the Lord's Supper and the meaning of it, that holy moment between not just us individually and the Lord, but us as a corporate body and the Lord. And Paul talked to us about healthy worship, including the Lord's Supper and the meaning of the Lord's Supper and what it can do in our lives. Beginning in verse 27, Paul talks about the fact that the way that we take the Lord's Supper can also be a sign of unhealthy worship. You can see what's happening in the way the Lord's Supper is being taken as a sign of a real disease in the worship of a church. Listen to what he has to say in verses 27 to 29. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, reading these verses, it is interesting that such a precious gift as the Lord's Supper should come with such a strong warning attached. But the truth of the matter is, the more powerful the gift, the more important the warning. If you give a child a little plastic toy that uh, it's just a molded piece of plastic and it's made so the two-year-old can't swallow it, you don't need a lot of warnings attached. But if you give an adult man a uh, chainsaw, there's going to be a whole book of warnings attached. The more powerful it is, the more warnings are needed. The Lord's Supper is a powerful moment. And so there's some warnings that Paul has. Whoever eats or drinks in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. It's quite a warning. Let a man examine himself, he says. Some eat and drink judgment to themselves. Now, what's Paul talking about here? Well, I'll tell you what he's not talking about. He's not, when he says worthy manner, he's not saying, are you worthy? Truth of the matter is, none of us are worthy to eat the Lord's Supper, except that we've been given the worthiness of Christ. Some people read this passage and think, well, okay, if I happen to remember a sin from this last week, then I'm not worthy to take the Lord's Supper. Truth of the matter is, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we are made worthy by Jesus. Now, the only thing that the Scripture says about being in worship and not doing something in worship is when I have something against somebody else. I should go and make it right with them. But that has nothing to do with whether I'm worthy to take the Lord's Supper or not. And that's not what he's talking about here. He doesn't say as an unworthy person. Notice he says in an unworthy manner. Worth is the key word here. And these people ate in a self-centered manner. They were jostling. They were trying to get first in line. They were forgetting what it was all about. What was supposed to be a celebration of Christ had turned into a display of selfishness. And that's Paul's reason for this exhortation. He's saying, this is serious business. Why? Well, in verse 27, he says, to diminish the importance of the supper is to diminish the value of Christ's sacrifice in your heart. That's why it's important. In verse 29, he's saying, to misjudge the supper is to misjudge his body in an unworthy manner. He's talking about somebody who eats the Lord's Supper without thinking about what it means. Someone who eats the Lord's Supper focusing on themselves and what other people think of them as they're eating the Lord's Supper instead of focusing on Christ. How do you take the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner? You do what Jesus told us to do. You remember him. When you do this, remember me. If you do that, you're taking the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. If you do that, you're recognizing the forgiveness that he has given to you. The Supper, the Lord's Supper is serious because the cross is serious. So in verse 30, Paul has this to say. This is why many among you are weak and sick, 
and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, that phrase, fallen asleep, that phrase means you've died. So this sounds like a death penalty, but it's actually a discipline. You see, God sees this differently than we're ever going to see it on this earth. God knows, as a believer, when you die, you're going to be with him. So he doesn't see it quite as seriously as you and I would see it on this earth. And what's happening here to the Corinthians is he's allowing the circumstances of judgment to play themselves out so that he's calling these believers home early because of some of the things they're doing in the worship service. Wow, that'll make you think, won't it? What's Paul talking about here? And what does this mean for our relationship with the Lord? He explains it in verses 31 to 34. He says, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Verse 32 is extremely important to understanding our relationship with the Lord in this passage about the Lord's Supper and judgment. He says, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we'll not be condemned with the world. He says, let's, let's go ahead and judge ourselves so that we don't come under judgment. You see, even more important than your individual life to God, obviously more important, is the testimony of his church. And the example of Ananias and Sapphira and the early church is the clearest one we have that God will take believers home early if their testimony, if their life is going to hurt the testimony of the church. Paul says, if you judge yourself and you make it right before the Lord, he didn't need to take you home early. But if not, he might need to take you home early or some other discipline in your life. Now, if this is scary to you, then you don't realize your relationship with God. You don't realize how confidently you walk with him as a believer. As a believer, what Paul is expressing here is, as a believer, you are in the family. God will never condemn you. We will not be condemned with the world. You'll never be put out of the family. But don't mistake what that means. You're in the family. God will never condemn you. You'll never be put out of the family. But you're in the family. He will discipline you. He's your father. You're in the family. God's a good father. A good father's not going to let a child in the family just do whatever they want and get away with it. He's going to discipline you. You're in the family, so he's going to treat you as a part of the family. And part of his love is discipline. Now, this goes to, for you as a believer, you look around sometimes and you think, why does it seem that other people can get away with things that I can't get away with? It may be believers, it's often unbelievers. I mean, they can do this, they can do that. If I, if I do this little thing on my taxes, if I do this little thing in the office, the way I speak to somebody, if I do this little thing with my expense account, if I do this little thing in the way that I talk to my kids or to my wife, I get caught for it. I get brought on the carpet for it somehow by God. Why is that? It's because you're his son. It's because you're his daughter. There's something very key to understand here in your relationship with God. There's a depth of understanding that could change your life. I talk to many believers who feel like God is judging them, condemning them, when the word clearly says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have a relationship with him, you don't have to worry about that. Your feelings may say he's condemning me. You can count on the Bible's promise that he is not condemning you. So you live by faith and not by feelings. You trust that God's love is still there and that what's happening is he's disciplining you. He's treating you as a son, as a daughter. 
Uh, If you're a parent, you see this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you discipline your child, they feel like you don't love them anymore. The truth of the matter is you disciplined your child because you love them. Same thing is true in your relationship with God. If when God disciplines you as his child, if you think he's condemning you, if you go with those feelings, you're going to want to run away from God because who wants to be condemned? But if you realize the truth of God's word, that when you're disciplined as his child, and it may not be because of the Lord's Supper, it may be because of some relationship in your life, it may be because of some financial decision in your life, it may be because of some habit in your life, you're disciplined by the Lord. When that happens, you run to him because you realize he's doing it out of love for you. He loves you enough to discipline you. You're not gonna find many people like that in your life. As you and I think about our relationship with him and what this means, I wanna spend just a personal moment here talking to our father. Would you pray with me? Father, I don't like to be disciplined. None of us do. But I know I'm not perfect. I know I sin. I know my heart goes astray. And so I know I'm going to need your discipline from time to time. When it comes, release me from the temptation of thinking it's a condemnation and help me to see that it's a discipline that grows out of love. And help me in listening to you to make the changes that you're asking me to make. Instead of running from you, to run to you. Because Lord, I know your love for me. Let that change in my life. Let that sense, that depth of knowledge of your love increase in my life, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray this, Father. Amen. Well, don't miss next week. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is one of the great chapters in all the Bible about spiritual gifts and how you can unwrap God's gifts in your life.